Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. My name is Shasta Bell of Shasta Bell Calligraphy. And I'm Michaela Marie Manu of Ink and Press Co. We are so excited. Today is an extra special podcast. I will let Kyla introduce that in a little bit. But before we do, we just wanted to say thank you so much for all of you who've reached out on Instagram, DMs. I've gotten some really wonderful messages. I know Michaela has too. Um, just some encouragement saying how much you love the podcast, which we absolutely adore. Um, but we would actually love even more than that is if you could leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. It helps our show a lot. It helps uh, kind of get the word out and spread the message of everything Cultivate. But again, if you want to do some shout outs, that's really great too. Just letting people know that there's a calligraphy station conversation happening over here and our second kind of housekeeping item for the day so I know when we originally started this podcast we mentioned that it is structured as a course like our podcast is basically what we would be doing if we were to ever release a third cultivate course mm-hmm. and I think at one point we kind of made it seem like it would be a very traditional podcast format where you'd be getting you know maybe two podcast episodes a month one every other week but as we have podcasted and grown as babies. podcasters <laughs> In our in our five episode experience of being podcasters, I think that we've realized more and more that it really is less of like a traditional podcast format and more of an actual course. And so if you haven't noticed already, this will be very much so a once a month type situation, but every single episode is going to be packed quality content and any of maybe the filler episodes that I think that we kind of thought we would get to are just pushed back a little bit more on the back burner and so truly when you think about our Cultivate podcast it really is a course it's all of the information that we wish we would have known when we started our businesses everything we've learned in our combined over 10 years of doing this Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a lot of resources to come as well. You know, we've been working on some really incredible contracts, pricing guides, uh, timeline breakdowns, all of these extra like handouts to come. So a lot of goodness in the work, but just know that if you don't hear from us, like (laughs) twice in the month of September or twice in the month of October or whatever it is, you'll definitely hear from us at least once. Isn't it? Aren't you coming up on six years of your business? I am. And I'm coming up on 10. So that's like 16 years. That's something. That's crazy. I know. How am I that old? But I am. I am that old. Right? I'm in denial. (laughs) But also, I love being 30. It's so fun. 30s are the best. 30, flirty, and thriving. Like, whoever was hearing 30, I'm like, honestly, they say it on Sex in the City, but 30s is like being in your 20s, but with more money. And it is so true. Mental health stability. And boundaries. Yes, boundaries, <laughs> which we will have an entire episode about. I'm so excited for the boundaries episode. Yes. So McKenna and I have often shared on this podcast how we aren't experts. And the truth is, we do know a lot of what we're doing, but we don't know everything. And we really encourage people to always be learning and always be growing. And we never want anyone to not pursue something they love because they're afraid of not being perfect. However, just because we aren't quote unquote experts, doesn't mean we don't value expertise. And I think that's really important to mention. Expertise is really important. Wisdom and experience is very important. You don't have to have all of it to begin or to even do well, but it's really important to keep learning. And so I'm so excited to say we've invited an expert in a particular field we're passionate about to share her expertise on this subject today. 
So today on the Cultivate podcast, I am so excited to be introducing our first guest speaker. She is one of my dear industry vendor friends. If you haven't noticed by now, I work exclusively with her and I'm always tagging her in my flat lays. It is Gracie of Enfield Post. Gracie started Enfield Post seven years ago while feeling especially creative during her first maternity leave. Trained as an art historian and writer, vintage postage stamps were appealing to her, and she was immediately drawn to helping people have better access to them. What started as a tiny Etsy shop has grown to a much bigger Etsy shop, an engaging social media account, a passion for postal education, and thousands upon thousands of letters and invitations made more beautiful and personal. Gracie specializes in sourcing hard-to-find stamps to help stationers and couples bring a special touch to their weddings. Gracie lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with her family and mini golden doodle. When she isn't sourcing stamps, you can find her reading, gardening, or trying to keep up with her two little boys. So Gracie, welcome to the Cultivate podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I love you guys so much. And I'm just delighted I get to spend a little bit of time with you and talking stamps. Oh, you know that I'm thrilled. And thank you, everyone. I like texted Gracie, like, what, it's Monday, I feel like I texted you Saturday night asking if you could come onto our podcast. So <laughs> I so appreciate you being here. And I'm so thrilled to be having this conversation with you. And honestly, it feels like the most natural first guest speaker to have because it is something mm-hmm. that I know so many people are curious about and vintage stamps kind of have a lot of questions around them. And so I'm really it's, it, yeah, it's definitely uh-huh. something that feels like yeah. a hurdle you have to figure out. And so I'm really excited to be talking all things postage. Yeah, I'm hoping we can kind of lift the veil a little bit on stamps in general, because <laughs> it's, it is really confusing and intimidating is a great word for it, too. I think a lot of people have a lot of fear around like using something so precious for such an everyday task, you know, because stamps do have a job. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, use, getting educating people about stamps is um, a big part of what I do. I love that. I am I'm so too. excited. I love, I love this topic. I love it because it was really intimidating for me. And I feel like I've made some strides and conquered some hurdles. And I'm really excited to learn more today. Same here. Same here. So Shasta, why don't you go ahead and get started um, with our question list and we can kind of work our way through. We have some questions ready for Gracie. Honestly, Gracie, you and I have been working together for many, many years. And these are some questions that I have been wondering over the years and for some reason have just like never texted you about. And then we have some really great listener (laughs) questions that we're going to ask at the end my main question is no you've got started during maternity leave we can all relate to that or at least the three of us can relate to that (laughs) like why postage stamps why why vintage postage Uh, tell me tell me what started this well so i had my first boy seven years ago he's he turned seven in july i started in field post seven years ago, September 16th. So literally seven years ago. And um, what I was looking for was a a hobby that had, that was interesting to me and that I could keep learning about and like the learning would never end. And that was stamps. Um, It was a bonus that there is like a, a history component to them and a double bonus that there's a lot of art stamps out there because I, um, Michaela mentioned that I'm trained as an art historian. I did study art history in college and I worked for 10 years in the gallery and museum space, selling art, writing about art, um, curating exhibits. So um, that's a big part of what draws me to stamps, just the design and the art aspects. 
Mm. That's honestly incredible. Yeah. I can't think of a more perfect person to curate stamps than someone who understands like the depth and the rich history behind it all, or at least at least curious enough to find out about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty niche, but it is it is it never ceases like I learn something every day. It never ceases to surprise me what I learn about stamps. All the time I'm learning. It's wonderful. That's Do amazing. you feel like there's like were there any hurdles to you getting started was there any like prep you did or like research you did or did you just jump right in so there's there were actually a lot of hurdles to getting started and i'll tell you why um stamp dealer seven years ago especially stamp dealers were and i'm going to generalize here most connected to the internet and um mostly over 65 like almost all that i encountered yeah and so out. what yeah, I was going to say, I have the most side interesting story regarding this because yes, yes, yes. And yes. <laughs> and they like the fact that people would want to use stamps and like, a, um, like to mail something that stamps that are old and not in production currently was like confusing to people again and again. So um, what I did was I joined my local philatelic club. Hmm. And I was the youngest person by 30 years. And I was also a woman, which was confusing to them doubly. You, they before found you me go on, can you def define what a philatelic club is? Can you tell listeners yeah, what that is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, philately is just the study of stamps and collecting stamps. And it, obviously, like, it's not something our generation ever really did. But um, it is definitely, and it's definitely been popular, like, over the past century and century and a half. So, um, there are still clubs in existence in most towns in America, just people that like stamps and like to talk about stamps. And so Aww. I would, yeah, I would go to the club meetings and there was always like a person who gave a presentation and it was on the most random specific thing you could ever think of. Like World War II stamps issued out of um, Polynesia in oh gosh, 1943 so only. <laughs> yes. Yes. That kind of stuff. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So what, how, how they work is they have their monthly meetings and then they have shows and like a lot of towns will have a show at once a year. And that is where you would go and find stamps and meet other people. So I would go to these shows by myself. I knew no one except for my <sighs> 75 year old male friends. The commitment. And I would, <laughs> I would, Oh, I drove all over the place and I would walk up to booths, which were tables usually in high school gymnasiums. And I would say, do you have any unused stamps? And they would look at me funny and they'd say, oh, oh, you mean postage? And then they'd like pull out this dusty box filled with like, you know, Elvis Presley stamps and Bugs Bunny like, No, stamps. I need the Grace Kelly and Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So through that whole process, which was very awkward, I could write a book about it, the number of funny, strange people I met. But through that process, I um, made relationships- group with some really, really great dealers who I still work with to this day, who are able to source all of these things by calling up their buddies on their old cell phones and moving things around the country. Oh. That's how it works. I love that so much. So my side quick story, when I very first started doing wedding invitations, I did my wedding invites first and I used vintage stamps. And then I did one of my best friend's wedding invitations. And she also wanted to use vintage stamps and she wanted all blue postage. And at the time I put, I purchased some like off of eBay and some that I found on Etsy. And then there was a random like old 
website that we found the blue Grace Kelly stamps that we needed. And it was, I cannot remember, but it was, was it Mystic oh, Stamp. No, but it was basically that. <laughs> Sounds but a good it was one, like definitely yeah. owned, like it was just like an old website that you know was created like back in the 70s. Not user. And we like placed this order and it was just like all hyperlinks and everything. Fingers crossed it would ship. <laughs> it never shipped. We never got our order. And I remember like sending an email and following up, but like the guy did have an about page on his website and it was like him with a fish, you know, and he was just like old. Probably lives next to my parents in Wisconsin. Yeah. And it was like, you could just tell that like, this was like his side hobby that he's been like loving and doing for forever. And I remember thinking like, I hope Gary sends us our stamps and he just never did. (laughs) oh my gosh I probably know this guy tell him he owns me like 75 blue grace kelly's from 2017 gosh those would be worth a pretty penny now too I know yes wow so you did your homework it's I mean you committed this is like oh yeah yeah yeah. oh I have books I I'm I mean I and I have my own collection like I'm really I really love the whole world. And I mean, I know it's a business for me now, but it also is still my hobby. I still collect stamps and I still, you know, I don't go to the club meetings anymore just because of life, but I, I really enjoy it. I love it. That's amazing. Do you get the uh, USPS? I can't even say this. Philatetic? Phila, phila, oh, the catalog. Yeah, the catalog. That's the I only know. way I know that word. It's from the catalog. <laughs> <laughs> me too, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're there's gender barriers like just like age like you were able to just dive in and like embrace that culture and I feel like you've kind of created you've opened a window to us millennials and Gen Zers into this world so it makes it so much more accessible oh thank you so much for saying that that is a really that is really my goal is to show people that like you can still use stamps and we can still write letters to each other and we can make, we can send beautiful pieces of art to each other through this amazing, amazing system that still exists. The postal service is incredible. Yeah. I know that we give it a lot of flack, but at the end of the day, it is truly mind blowing how the postal system works. And I just have to say, like, I am sitting here in awe, just in admiration of everything, because there were obviously so many barriers to entry. But I love people who are passionate about what they do. And I love it even more when people are passionate about something that is so niche. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, I'm obviously like a huge fan and advocate for like the art and the artistry of like a handwritten note. Mm -hmm. And I just this conversation I'm like sitting here I feel like with stars in my eyes this I know it's so cool. fun <laughs> I want to talk about the art of curating vintage postage because I really know how you and I work together Gracie and how you and I collaborate on these sets but I want to hear from you like your process for curating these sets how you go about finding and selecting the stamps for your clients you know, what are the things that you consider colors, design elements, personalized details, and kind of also like how you prefer to work with couples and also how you prefer to work with wedding stationers, like basically just like word dump your process for curating such beautiful sets. I want to hear it all. So spare us no detail. 
Okay, no detail is too small. Okay, so this has been, I, I experienced a lot of growing pains in this area because like I said, you know, this was always a hobby for me. I have usually through my seven years had a main job and this is this is my thing that brings me like sanity and peace and I just love it. So it's never, it, it took me a while to focus on creating a real system around this. So um, what happens now is a stationer will contact me or a, a bride, usually it's the bride that will contact me and say they want to do vintage stamps. And what I, what I send back to, to them is a brief questionnaire. So I'll say, I want to know what colors and themes you want represented. I want to know how many invitations you're sending, because that will absolutely limit the number of stamps I can show you. And I want to know, um, the third thing I want to know is how much postage do you need per envelope? Which is the question that trips That's up everybody. No I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, like a forever stamp. So um, mm. through my time doing this, I have found that I prefer working directly with stationers because they are just they just know better about envelope sizes and will the stamps actually fit on the envelope surrounding the calligraphy and they're the ones that are going to know more about what postage needs you have so while I do work with couples you know stationers are always the ones that I'm working with more for that reason just because logistics so from that point they'll respond to me and they'll say things like you know, usually they will send me an image of the invitation. That's what I love the best because I can build a set around that and, and get a feel of like the vibe that they're after. But I also want to know specific stuff. Okay. I want to know, like, um, we are, we met in Wisconsin. We love a Wisconsin stamp on our, on our invitation. Or my family owns a vineyard. We would love a vineyard stamp. Or, you know, things like that. I love incorporating small details. And Michaela knows this. I am always trying to get like a place reference into this, into the set of stamps as much as I can. Because mm -hmm. like every detail in a wedding, we got to make this personal. It's special. You're spending mm -hmm. money on it. Let's make it count. So, um, okay. So anytime somebody contacts me in that first initial response, I always say what, what my prices start at. And generally people need to know that vintage postage is going to start at about five times the postage amount you need. If that, that makes is sense. Really, that's a good benchmark. That's very helpful. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times it goes up from there based on pe what people have seen on Instagram and think that they want, but base wise about five times the value of the postage that we're going to be putting on the envelope. So I'm always upfront with people about that because that can be a big barrier. Let's clarify that down to the bare bones. Cause I think that is a huge misconception. You talked about in the beginning of our conversation about stamps having function. So what's the difference when someone something that I come across as stationary is when someone wants vintage stamps, they don't quite understand why it's so much more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, what's the difference between postage, like how much postage you need in the sense of its value to the post office versus how much it's going to cost to purchase that postage from a curator? Do you, does that okay. make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And to answer you, I'm going to zoom out a little bit because we have to remember that stamps are money that is a form of currency, just like coins are currency and paper and bills are currency. Stamps are a form of currency and they retain the value that it says on the stamp forever. 
It's like the money of the post office. It's like if they were a nation, that's their money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you are using a three stamp, a three cent stamp from 1935, the post office recognizes it as a as three cents. It could cost you, you know, it could cost you two dollars per stamp to get that. But the post office will always recognize it as three cents, three cents, no matter what. The post office recognizes it. No matter how much you paid for it. But a side asterisk on that, they will only recognize it if it has not been used before, which is why it's so important to purchase unused vintage stamps. And the reason, just adding a little bit more context to the conversation for our listeners, the reason why a three cent stamp is going to be five times the price and purchased at, let's say, 15 cents or 20 cents, it's not offered at face value is because one, it's rare. Mm-hmm. And two, there's a limited supply. And three, it's a lot prettier. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a special term for that. Isn't there an unused stamp? Scarcity. Oh, I love the econ turn. <laughs> yes, I'm thinking unhinged is or is that what the term is? Oh, oh yeah, you're thinking it, it, you'll see M N H. Yeah, and it stands for mint, mint, never hinged. And when we say hinged, we're really talking about um, used or even um, when when people collect stamps, they put a hinge on the back of it so it can fit in an album. Mm. so it's that too there you, you might see that on um vintage postage you get sometimes there's like a little piece of wax paper affixed to the back of it fascinating i didn't yeah. know that so yeah i yeah. totally got you off your train of thought but i i love okay. digging into like this yeah go back nitty-gritty. to what you were talking yeah. about gracie <laughs> oh gosh okay oh, okay you're talking about um, currency yes currency yeah 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 so anyway um that Yes, stamps are currency. So the post office, a stamp, you know, a stamp printed in 1975 that is worth eight or 10 cents. The post office sees that as eight or 10 cents, even though it's older than the person actually using the stamp. (laughs) So you have to compile a group of stamps that equal today's rate. So today to mail a a letter, a, a one ounce regular old letter that would use a forever stamp is 66 cents. Can you define forever stamp for us too? Yes. Okay. So forever stamps are what the post office sells now on a sheet. It'll be like you go to the post office and you say, I want to, I want some stamps. They'll give you these stamps. They're stickers now on a book of 20, a book of 20, and it'll say forever on it. It won't say a number on it. And that, and it says forever because they're changing the value of stamps all the time. Yeah. But those stamps will always equal, they will always be able to mail one letter. Whatever the current so, one under one ounce letter rate is. Yeah, a forever Correct. stamp will always equal one ounce, whatever the rate is. So if you purchase a one ounce forever stamp in 2017, back when it was 55 cents, and now, like Gracie said, a one ounce rate is 68 cents, you can use that forever stamp for the 68 cent mark. So forever stamps increase in value even if you purchase them at a lower rate. Correct. So Forever Stamps first came out in 2007. So they're fairly new on the scene, but they're, they've they been here long enough that most people don't know what the rate mm-hmm. is anymore to mail something. Mm-hmm. So, so that is 
I feel like that is a real issue when you're trying to do vintage <laughs> postage. Nobody has any idea. And not to mention, oh, you have a square envelope? Okay, that adds something. You want to add a wax seal? That adds something. Is it um, is it two ounces? That adds something. What about not so machinable? Oh. It's a real math equation. It's a real math equation. So, um, you know, I, I do encounter quite a few people that really are purchasing bulk items through Etsy. And it is hard for me to not reach out to them and say like, no, you know, that's not going to mail your letter, right? You know, that one <laughs> 20 cent stamp isn't going to mail your letter. I have to really hold it back because like, I care, you know? Yeah. Well, you want them to succeed. You want yes, the letter want to your, reach its destination. wedding invitations to be bounced back to you. <laughs> so um, going back to the pricing structure, I want to keep us on track. There's so much to cover. So let's i think it'd be helpful to break down pricing also i know i sound like the mom right now dude no, no, no it's good but... it's good do it do it no, it's okay we help each other out it's good we help each other out so um going back to like the actual math formula of it and the reason i'm like bringing us back in is because you said it's basically like a math equation so for you know everybody tuning in let's break it down to the actual cent so I'm just going to pop in right here and list out all the current postage prices, which will really help with the rest of the episode. Effective as of July 9th, 2023, the rate for a one ounce or under letter is 0.66, so 66 cents. That's USD. Postcards, it's 51 cents. Anything like a large envelope or sometimes called flats under one ounce is $1.35. And then any additional ounces, so with your one ounce or above letter, or if you go up to two ounces, every additional ounce is gonna be 24 cents. Now, if you're doing hand canceling, you need to do non-machinable mail. And the current price for that is 40 cents. Postage prices are changing in the new year in 2024. These are just the current prices. Another little fun fact is one ounce flats or large envelopes as I call them, they have a lot more variance on the size they can be, especially if you're using handmade envelopes that don't fit a traditional US A9 size and it's larger, you will get bumped up to a one ounce flat or a large envelope. What's really awesome about that is even though the additional ounce and weight still fee still applies, you don't have to worry about machining because it's going to be automatically hand canceled. They're not going to charge you something extra for that. I usually still hand cancel them where I take the little bopper as we like to say and bop things in, but you don't have to pay extra for that. And now let's get back to the conversation. So when you're mailing an invitation suite, you have your first base ounce, which is like Gracie said, 66 cents. And for the standard invitation suite, let's say you're including an envelope liner and three cards an A7 envelope, that's a five by seven envelope. And let's throw in that you are doing a wax seal. And so your envelope is a non-machinable envelope, meaning you want your envelope to be sent via hand cancel. So let's break down what the average cost of that is. Like quick little caveat of don't use this for your <laughs> invitations and rely on it. Like still go get your go envelope to the post office. Mailed. Yeah, and get, or, get, it, get it checked. Get it checked and get it weighed. But just kind of as like a reference point for people. So you have your base ounce, which is 66 cents. Yeah. And okay. Take so, it away, Gracie. You're giving me a quiz, and I will take a quiz all day long. Like, I this is this. so fun. You throw anything at me. I got you. I got <laughs> you. Okay. So, let me first start by saying that if you ever have a question about how much postage you need, 
take it, take an assembled invitation to a clerk, put it in their hands and make them tell you. And, and, and tell them they do hand canceling and insist. Yeah. Hand, hand cancel. Let's get into hand canceling in a minute, but let's, <laughs> let's break down that um, hypothetical that Makayla gave us. So we have, we have, a, let's say a two ounce envelope because we have extra cards in it. Yes. So an envelope between one and two ounces is going to be 90 cents because we have the 66 cent first ounce. And then we add a second ounce, which is 24 cents. Okay. So now we're at 90 and then you put a wax seal on the exterior outside. I'm so sorry. It's 24. 66 plus 24. Isn't that a, Oh no, nope, because that's, yep. I'm yep. so wrong. I'm Let so sorry. Okay. You're, I you're know good. what you were going to ask and I'm telling you, no, <laughs> it's, I apologize. Continue. Oh no, 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 no. It changes all the time. Anyway, how can you keep track? Okay. So we have a, we have the first ounce and then we've added a second ounce. So now we're at 90 cents, 66 plus 24 equals 90. And now we have the wax sealing on the exterior of the envelope. So we're going to add 40 cents for that. That is the non-machinable fee, 40 cents. So now we're at $1 and 30 cents, 66 plus 24 plus 40 equals a dollar and 30 cents. So just to clarify what non-machinable means, what that means is USPS, because they're so efficient and um, are, they shoot every single letter through a scanner. Every single letter gets shot through a scanner. If you have a wax seal on the back or if it's a square envelope, the scanners get confused and it'll gum them up. So they want to make sure that those don't go through the scanner. So it's non-machinable. It cannot go through the machine. And that is why you're paying that extra fee. And that is why they hand cancel it with that really cool circular stamp that you see. The bopper, as yep. we have called it. Called yep. it. Y'all call it the bopper. I used it, I used but it that's on Friday. <laughs> but that's, that's how you get it. That's how the math equation works. Um, mm. There's all, like special things about stamps all the time. And then, you know, you have to be careful about the size of the envelope and the thickness of the envelope. All those things can add on fees. So like Gracie said, that base invitation suite formula is going to need $1.30 to mail. Also note, this is pricing as of September 2023, always subject to change. Mm -hmm. And so if you need that much postage, vintage stamps are going to be five times that amount. And so you can budget around $6.50 for a vintage stamp set. Now, as a stationer working with my couples, I tell my couples to budget anywhere from like $6 to $12 for a vintage stamp set. And I give them a little bit of a range because there are stamps that are more rare and so they're going to be more expensive. Those tend to be like the really pretty stamps like the Grace Kelly, the Audrey Hepburn, the Magnolia Flowers. Those ones are a pretty penny. And then there are other stamps, which I have personally coined them heavy lifters <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like it describes what they do. They may not be like as beautiful and as eye-catching or as but old. They or as old, but they have like a higher postage value. So they're going to be like a 55 cent value or a 40 cent value. And they're not necessarily the like really beautiful three cent value one from, you know, the, the 1800s. 30s. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
But the heavy lifters are going to help you meet your postage requirement minimum. And so you're going to have a blend of like really eye-catching stamps and then just a couple mixed in there that are honestly just there to help you get to that $1.30 requirement. Yeah, so there's obviously a ton that goes into like structuring your pricing for a vintage stamp set. And just as a like stationer note that I want to kind of mention real quick, like Shasta and I said, we do really recommend going to not just like one or two, but honestly, sometimes even three different postal locations to kind of nail down that pricing. For me, before I mail out my invitations for my couples, I have a USPS mailing agreement that they have to sign. And in that agreement, it explains the different like post offices I went to to weigh their invitations. And it just protects yourself. I'm sure that we talked about this in another podcast episode. Did we Shasta? I feel like we I did. Feel like we, yes, we if just not, did. Yeah. If not, it's definitely something that we will like cover more because calligraphy and mailing and all of that is like a whole nother beast of an episode. But all of this to say, be responsible, be on top of weighing your mock-ups and making sure that you know exactly how much the post office is going to charge you. Because trust me when I say there is nothing like doing the calligraphy on an envelope, getting all of the stamps on the envelope, and then showing up at the post office and Mm -hmm. being told you need three more stamps because that has happened to me. And Mm -hmm. it was one mistake that I made once and decided I would never repeat ever again. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, you cannot play with that. You cannot play around with that. Yeah. So Um, on that note, special considerations. I want to hear from you, Gracie. Are there any other special considerations that you need to make a note of when you're using vintage stamps in terms of postage or mailing? I know that there is a lot of like fake stamps that kind of circulate, especially for some really popular forever like stamps from the 2007 era. And then also quality control, because these stamps are so old that I'm sure that there are somewhere, even if they are unused, they're not usable. Like they're not even in Mm -hmm. a state that you can use them. Yeah, that's a great point. I think in addition to what we've talked about, I do want to mention how frequently postage rates change. And when you are, you know, getting married Mm -hmm. and planning out your invitation suite six months to a year in advance, you do need to be conscious that postage rates at this time are going up twice a year. Like Mm -hmm. we can kind of continue to count on that and you never know exactly what is going to go up or by how much. So vintage postage needs to be one of the later things that you decide. And um, thankfully I know I can speak for myself. We can turn it around really quickly. So um, it never, you never need to worry about like, a vintage postage, vintage postage dealer taking a really long time to find things. You just have to get the postage amount right for the window you're mailing in. That's mm-hmm. by far the most important thing. Um, and in terms of authenticity and quality, so what I would recommend is just only buying from people that have a ton of good reviews when it comes to like the vintage pre-2007, you know, stamps that have actual prices on them. Just if you're buying on eBay, just look for people with a ton, a ton, a ton of good reviews. Beyond that, if you are seeing really beautiful stamps being sold for face value, I can almost guarantee you that they're fake. Mm-hmm. And I have I have seen it so many times where a stationer will uh, approach me and say, like, our bride has these stamps that we want to build something around. And I have to say, like, where did you get them? 
And how much did you pay for them? Because unfortunately, it happens all the time that these fakes are being churned out. They are um, never, I have never seen fake stamps that are like the old ones with the glue on the back. They're always Mm -hmm. the sticker ones. Those are are the only ones I've ever seen fake. They're usually very thin, like you can hold it up to a light and see through it. And then lastly, the ink on them will be really, really flat. That's how you can tell that they're fake. Mm, yeah, that's fascinating. I actually have some in my collection right now. I want to go check some dog face, <laughs> well, dog face butterfly ones that I'm like, mm. <laughs> that's interesting because you mentioned or you put it into the framework that postage is currency. And so you are mm-hmm. going to get counterfeits. And yeah. a lot of the counterfeits I see is that really popular black and white rose. And it has oh, like a yes. little bit of red on it. And that one is probably feels like an easier one to create a replica of. And it's a really beautiful stamp. I think I want to say it's from 2008. Am I wrong? It's from that timeline. I don't know exactly what year, but there was a, there's a vintage rose, like a garden rose and a tulip was the two ounce version of it. They're really Mm -hmm. gorgeous, black and white line drawings. And yeah, I, I have found those fake as well. And I, and and you know what, I even bought one one time just because I was curious. I wanted to see, and it was being sold for face value. So it was a steal and it was so disappointing to see how many reviews these people had and Mm -hmm. how many people had bought these stamps and possibly used them. And I thought, what of all the people to steal from the postal yeah, service the post office yeah. these guys work hard come on <laughs> but there's also no guarantee that it will work because i have heard from people who used that po- that stamp specifically didn't realize that it was a fake and their envelopes they didn't they were able to mail them so oh, you might be able goodness. to get away with it once but like Mikaela, do you ever let clients provide do you ever let clients provide their own postage? You know, what's funny is because I just had one this fall that I worked with Gracie on and the grandma was a like stamp collector and she had been collecting all of these beautiful bluebird, like Audubon ones and like the blue Grace Kelly ones. It was again, like an all blue suite and there was the blue uh, bridge, not the Brooklyn one, but it's like the Mackinac one. Mm -hmm. And I did tell her that I'm... it's, it was a special exception. Like I typically do not allow my couples to provide postage. I will only work through Gracie because we have such a great relationship and like format that we work with together. Mm-hmm. And I made like a special exception for her, but I did tell them that they had to mail me the postage beforehand so that I could guarantee its authenticity. And there weren't any counterfeits in there, but I, I did let them know that they needed to send me the postage beforehand so that I could confirm, you know, its authenticity, the quantity and the quality of the stamp so that it was viable postage. And then and from there, I worked with Gracie to bridge the gap because the grandma, she had only, I don't think she really understood postage. And I think it was a fun thing that she was like gifting to her granddaughter and a mm-hmm. fun surprise, but she didn't understand that we needed again, like a bunch. Yeah, yeah. That we needed like X amount of sets and we needed to do five stamps on an envelope and like the one blue Audubon bird, like wouldn't cover it. Um, so it was just like a, a really beautiful, generous gift that we wanted to make work for her invitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I was really cool. That must've been really special. I usually am the same. I usually don't 
allow people to unless they've there's one client who got married in uh in the champagne region and she had already purchased the like a set it might even have been from you gracie like it was like the the french flag and then a couple other ones that were really special from france and yeah she'd gone through a curator so it was like oh i know that this is going to be fine yeah for sure all right i love that conversation about like all of the special considerations and things to think of because there's honestly things that i wouldn't even think about um so as far as postage i am excited for kind of this next segment to talk about because we kind of briefed about it a little bit earlier but the stamps really do have this ability to tell a story. And so Shasta, we can finally touch on the question <laughs> that you want to. What's your favorite stamp? <laughs> Which is what's your favorite stamp? Uh, what are some of the most like sought after vintage stamps? And then I want to know, Gracie, because I know probably the most rare stamp that I've used with you. I want to know though, in general, like what is the most rare stamp that you that have used for a client? or one that you have in your own collection? So um, why don't we, I'll, I'll just dive in and tell you what my favorite stamp is. Mm-hmm. And it has been my favorite since the moment I laid eyes on it seven years ago. And it's the mm-hmm. five cent Audubon Bluebird. Oh, I love oh, that. that is mine. <laughs> Are my you serious? Stamp. Yes. No. And I like the five cent version more than the 20 cent version. Too because the script of the 20 cent is too blocky oh yes and the five cent version is a beautiful calligraphy script it is so gorgeous oh my gosh i love that we have this in common oh but also my second favorite stamp is the 4.5 like u.s post office stamp that's like the small little square one and it's like a greenish gray color and it's it's four and a half is it four and a half cents are you talking about the Hermitage one? The one it's of similar the green to one, the Hermitage, Hermitage one. one. It's the it's similar to that one. Are you talking about the gray one, Michaela? Yes, the gray yeah, one. It's the White House. Oh, it's the White House one. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that but is like so old and beautiful. I oh, love that one because really it covers half a cent. <laughs> oh, how romantic is that? It is so it's just romantic. Like, it's four point five cents covered, and you're like. Okay. It just, it feels so <laughs> vintagey. And I, I do love that one because I think the half cent is really charming. But if I had to pick between the two, I would probably pick the five cent Audubon one. Oh, oh my gosh. I love that we have this in common. This is so special. Um, I, I kind of want to add... Favorite. Uh, it's quick. not going to surprise anyone. It's not a U.S. stamp. It's a Republic Francaise stamp, and it's this art series. Uh, it's like the, you know, the one with the beautiful lady, like, uh, it's yes, like it's an, the yeah. letters writing America one, yeah. and she's in that blue dress. I knew that. <laughs> no, no, wait a second. I think we're talking about a different one. Hold on. It's the one that's it's bigger than your standard size. Yes. And um, it's the letters through America one. Is it the Universal Postal Union? No, yes. not that one. No, no, this is not a U.S. stamp. It's Republic Francaise. Um, it's this series. It's a oh, French stamp. Oh. It's not even a U.S. Okay, but you stamp. have it's to pick American one. stamp. I know. What's your I favorite know. American U.S. stamp? Okay, so I love the Herb series. Love, oh, love, I love. Oh my that gosh, really the 29 cent herb yeah. series. Oh my god. Freaking expensive and gorgeous. There was a period, Beautiful. Gracie, where we were using those for like every set somehow. 
Oh, I know so we were pretty. hammering them out. How did we find those? I have, oh my gosh, angels were involved in that process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my very favorite, I'd say my very favorite one is, let me pull it. Sorry, I'm like making you guys pause. I've got it in here somewhere. It's, um, it's the magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Where is it? For anybody who wants to know that joke, for some reason, Shasta does not like the magnolia stamp. She thinks it's too tropical, which Gracie and I both disagree on. It's a beautiful no, stamp. It's, it's a magnolia. Um, We're talking about the Okay, I I used it for this wedding in Champagne. It's, it's like... I think it's the one you might've been talking about. It's, I think it's like, um, it's kind of a circle and it's dark, dark navy blue. Why do I not know the name of this is one? It it's Ca- like, Captain Cook? No, that, that one is also pretty. Um, it's not the Lafayette one. It's. Is it um, Alliance Francaise? Yeah, I think it might be Alliance. Yeah, it's Alliance Francaise. Mm-hmm. It's that one. I love that one. I'm actually shocked that that's yours. Yeah, well, it's like a new favorite. Like I discovered it last year. Um, so I would have picked the the Universal Postal written the U- Union one with the lady sitting yeah, in I mean, the corner. For some reason, anytime I use that stamp, I think, "Oh, this is so Shasta." It's my it's it's in the top five. So you're close. Yeah, to you. that is probably one of my top five ones too. But I do just have so a special good. place for the Audubon. Oh, they're beautiful. So okay. I love I love putting that one in wedding sets, but um, I do want to kind of expand on the bird topic for a little while because I love using the state bird and flower stamps for mm-hmm. wedding sets. Mm-hmm. They're the I twenty love the Pennsylvania stamps. one. Well, a lot of them are really pretty. Some of them are not so pretty. North Carolina, for example, but there for anybody who doesn't know, it's a, it's a sheet of fifty stamps, and every single one it shows the state bird and flower of one of our 50 states they're all 20 cents and they're um from 1982 i believe and they're just fabulous they're really hard to get in large quantities but um Mm -hmm. thanks to the network i've set up i can do it and i i incorporate those as much as i possibly can they're so special i love those anytime we incorporate those i specifically love the uh pennsylvania one from that sheet (laughs) and then i have to admit arizona's from that sheet too is also really gorgeous yeah, Did you, you say that lucky. you don't like the North Carolina one? You know, so it has that bright red cardinal on it. Cardinal, and it's a, yeah. it just feels a little garish. And I believe there are seven <laughs> states that have the cardinal as the state bird. So it's just a, it's Isn't just Arizona a lot one of, of them? cardinals. <laughs> Is it? No, Arizona isn't. Well, we have the Arizona no. Cardinals football team, but that's, that's not our state bird. <laughs> I think it's a road. I think it's a road runner. It's yeah. a beautiful. Yeah. That stamp is beautiful and gray and muted. It's really like cool. Brown it. Yeah, and it has a brown. really pretty cacti on it. I've only used it once, and I was so excited when we got to use it. Mm. Ain't nobody using the loon and the lady slipper from Minnesota. <laughs> no one wants you it. Know, but I, I love think, it. I really like that one. I like that one. Yeah. I would love to do more Minnesota weddings. But um, anyway, I don't spend a lot of money on weddings. So <laughs> <laughs> in the Midwest, this one Shasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It's really pretty. Um, there's really one more that there's one more stamp I really like using in weddings. It is a, a 44 cent stamp, so it's a heavy lifter, which are rarer and rarer. But it's mm-hmm. a painting by Winslow Homer. And it's two people sitting in a field, and they're on green grass with a blue one. sky. Mm-hmm. I, we and I use love, that one in yes. my baby shower. Oh. We did use it for your baby shower, but but 
I love that it shows two people alone enjoying time together. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like using it for a wedding set. It is actually the painting is actually two boys, but you don't have to know that to use it yeah. in your wedding invitations if you were yeah. you know in a heteronormative relationship. <laughs> is there you use the four cent Winslow Homer one a lot too, don't you, Michaela? The one with I, the boat. Oh, she loves yes. that one. Yeah, that I one's love, like signature, Michaela. <laughs> I love that one too. Um, all of the Winslow Homer stamps, I think, are just stunning. And mm-hmm. the two boys in the field, that's actually like, it's not that exact painting, but he did an entire, this is like the art nerd coming out in me. He did mm-hmm. an entire series about like, just you know, the boys of America in fields and just, I mean, Mm. he was an American painter who really like documented the American life kind of in those like, is it World War II, Gracie? I want to say it's World War II times kind of like coming out of that. I think it's a a bit earlier than that, maybe more turn of the century, late 1800s. Okay. Excuse me on the timeline, obviously, but he is just... I love his work and the paintings that they have created around his work. It's just, or the stamps that they've created around his work and his paintings are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Same as Mary Cassatt's stamps. I think that those are so pretty. Honestly, I just love any of the stamps that are a like painting turned mm-hmm. into a stamp. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why I love the Audubon ones too, because I don't know. That's just the art buff in me coming out. Oh, it's why I love the Republic Francaise ones that are art yeah, pieces it's of art. I wish we did more of that. Out. Yeah, and my Francophile, <laughs> like, and like the use of that art. Like, I w- I just wish we did that so much more with the contemporary stamps. Just taking, yeah. And well, I mean, we do. They do. They but they use like contemporary art, and I'm like, please bring back some of the old old American classics. I want to see those Same. again. R.I.P. 2016 Classic Forever stamp vibe. Like, yes. I love that. So <laughs> oh good. my goodness. Oh. That hurts. I actually have a question uh, along those lines, if I can interject. Um, I had a situation where uh, the client was really specific about not using stamps, uh, which were slave owning men. Do you ever come across controversial stamps or problematic stamps as you're doing curation? All the time. All the time. And it is a Mm -hmm. reminder to me that the things that have happened are real. And they truly did happen and they affected a lot of people. And still today hurt people. Uh Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like I, um, when I was starting collecting stamps, they would get big, you can buy in bulk, like big bags of stamps and you will find stamps uh, of countries that don't exist anymore. And you will find stamps of regimes that were horrible that I, I'm not even going to say, but, um, yeah, you also find, mm-hmm. yep. You will also find stamps, um, celebrating civil war generals and none of that is acceptable at all, but it did happen mm-hmm. and it was real. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I it's kind of a shock to the system when you encounter it. You it know? was to me. And as a white one, like I, I hadn't even considered and it, it caused me to do like a deep dive into the stamps that I was using and wrestle with that. And, um, cause it's a history book, like stamps are a record of history and they're not just currency. They are a record. They're, they're a product yeah. of their time. Yeah. And I think like a wonderful, uh, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about this too, just with the wedding industry as a whole, it's kind of almost like a comparison to like, using that postage is similar to like having your wedding at like a plantation, you know, like it's, 
I just kind of think that it all kind of is in that sphere and it's really something to be mindful of um, mm-hmm. and be, like you said, aware of the postage that you're using in your sets. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I imagine you come across it even more frequently than we do as you're, cause you're curating like what you even sell on your, uh, mm-hmm. what you put out to the public too. I, I absolutely do. I, there's a lot that doesn't get, um, made accessible to my people. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Thank you for answering that question. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I think, you know, um, we are often, um, so focused on the flowers and the pretty things and I'll just mm-hmm. throw in pictures of men and and I and I honestly shout out I've had a similar request before um yeah. to be mindful of things like that and it and sitting in my seat of privilege I wasn't even mindful of it, it didn't even yeah, occur sure. to me to think of that and it was really it was cool to think of stamps in a different way it was really helpful yeah. to me because I know that I definitely have used some postage where I'm like oh I wouldn't necessarily like think about that and Mm -hmm. you look back at that set and you're like oh oops I would probably have swapped that one out now yeah yeah and so it is an opportunity to like learn and grow and strive to you know really educate and inform but like you said it it is something that I think I mean I think you put it so beautifully that there are a lot that are just not like the right stamp to be picking in our day and age but it is a reminder that those things have happened um but to like proceed with like mindfulness of your vintage stamp curation Mm -hmm. yeah proceed with mindfulness that's a really good way to put it so along those lines like choosing stamps what to use what not to use sometimes you run into the problem of the stamp you want to use is just like not available like especially as the rise of using vintage stamps has become more popular in the wedding industry are some becoming scarce which ones are rare like do you have any in your collection that you're you're rare and you just love are there some that are rare that you've used in uh client work can you touch on that subject yeah so um in terms of rare it's it's unusual that i'll use a rare stamp for a wedding set because i never want to roll the dice that i can't find them so if anyone's ever doing a very small set you know 25 or less sometimes i'll pull out the big guns and we'll have some real fun and go back into the 20s and the 30s and dig up some really really special stamps an example of that is using the national park stamps from 1934 mm-hmm. when the uh, USPS released 10 different stamps cel- each celebrating a different national park. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like to pull those out on special occasions. Is that like the Devil's one Tower? We did. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we used the Zion one, Michaela. Yes. It was so yes. cool. It's like, like pale teal color. Um, it's Devil's stunning. Tower. It's, it's really amazing. I can't believe I found this. But the Devil's Tower, I did want to touch on that one because that is not, that's actually not part of the series I'm talking about, but I sure. love that stamp. Yeah, me that too. It's so expensive cool. and it's so good. <laughs> it is so cool. But in terms of like finding stamps that have become rare because of weddings, um, there are a few that immediately come to mind. There is a series um, from, I believe, 1998 called The Flowering Trees. They're 32 cent stamps and there's five of them. Mm, and so people good. go nuts for this one magnolia stamp. Magnolia one. Beautiful mm. emerald green <laughs> leaf on it. And it is gorgeous. And then I, I still get requests for it all the time. And I say to people, yes, we can do that. Are you willing to pay for it? Because we can find it, but you know, we're getting up to like $4 per stamp, $5 oh, per so stamp. Expensive. 
And so good, I, though. I just, it's so beautiful. And, and if somebody really wants it, of course I'll get it. But at the same time, you know, it is a stamp. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. I know that. <laughs> There's one in that series that I, so if I ever use it, which is only by special request, I don't even ever suggest it to people because of the price usually, but there's one in that series that I never use. And it's the one that's like really bright. Is it the crab apple? Maybe it's really, it's really bright green and and yellow and orange. Is it the blue Palo Verde? It might be, um... let me pull it up. Flowering. Stamp. Also, guys, I just love that we can just like throw out the name of the stamp and we all know <laughs> no, <it's laughs> what you're talking about. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that is really fun because like you mentioned, the National Park stamp is one that we used for one of my clients. And it was that exact same situation. This bride was from Utah and she was having a destination wedding in Mexico. And her color palette was like very um, pastel uh iridescent tones iridescent was the word i was looking for and she was only sending out i want to say like 18 invitations just to her family and her bridal party and we used that zion national park stamp but i want to say that that stamp alone not her whole set but that stamp alone cost seven dollars and we were getting 18 of them And so her vintage yeah. stamp set in total probably was around the like 15. I remember being so just strategic about this one, actually, Gracie. I, instead of proposing it as like a per set cost, I just proposed it as a total. And if mm-hmm. she had like calculated like, okay, for these 18, you know, vintage stamp sets, I'm paying like 15, 16, $17 per set. I just like proposed it up front and was like, for your stamps, it'll be Four hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, like assembly included. Yeah, assembly included. Like I just proposed as a package. No money down. (laughs) Sorry, because I so badly wanted to use this rare stamp, but for some reason it just felt like the cost would go over better. And she went for it, and she loved it. And that stamp is stunning. But I will also note that when it came, it was so fragile. Like Mm. I felt like I had to be very delicate with my glue. I couldn't just like whip it on there. I had to be very strategic because it definitely had a much more fragile nature to it and I think I even ordered like I always order two more for me but I want to say Gracie that you even gave me like one or two extra just in case anything ripped Mm. well what happens with those really old ones is that the registration gets off really easily and when I say Mm -hmm. registration I mean how the image is centered on the actual stamp and when you get to those old ones they all look funky so so yeah I'm sure I sent you more but we should also talk about um the glue on the back of those old stamps it's so dry and brittle that those Mm -hmm. stamps will like literally turn to crumble in your hand Uh uh-huh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah if you oh. are licking the vast bath, oh. <laughs> you're going to get tuberculosis if you do that. Yes. I was just going to say that we are not in the business of bringing back tuberculosis and like leprosy. Like use Please. a glue stick. No. I, if you oh. if you are not using a glue stick, then I, I mean, I don't, there's a lot more to chop down there, but <laughs> use a glue stick for all of your postage. I, I honestly like even use a glue stick for some of the sticky back ones because the sticky just won't stick anymore. So I mm-hmm. use a glue stick always. 
you should always use a glue stick. And I think like, just so people really understand like why this is so important, you've got to know that in those olden times when they were making the glue for these stamps, it is, you know, what you have heard about, like the horse hoof glue, yeah. that kind of thing. Like, not please vegan. do not ingest that. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, stamps sheets are stacked up on top of each other in, the, in whatever container they're being held in for decades. So you're also, you know, some of that ink from the stamp, the sheet behind it has transferred. So you're, you know, you're ingesting toxic ink too. So it really is like a, like a health hazard, just PSA, please do not use like these stamps ever. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of wrapping up some of the burning questions that I have for you and have written down. I want to know from you, Gracie, how you feel the role of vintage stamps is going to evolve in the wedding industry. I know you mentioned seven years ago, it was very, very different. And then I always joke about this and I kind of joked about it, but now I feel like I kind of see it come to fruition with some of my favorite stamps. But are vintage stamps going to run out like is there ever a situation <laughs> <laughs> it is, oh my gosh you guys always you always ask me this it is like twilight zone material for me like you know that one twilight zone like episode where the guy all he wants to do is read his books and then he ends up in a world where he has all the time in the world to read all of the books in the world but then he breaks his glasses to me it's like we are going to be in a world where it's the opposite and like there are no vintage stamps for us to use and we have like all the clients wanting them so Mm -hmm. will vintage stamps ever run out is my question (laughs) you you are hilarious oh my gosh okay let's talk about how it's funny it's a real (laughs) I have a night sweats because of this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going to answer your first question first, and then we'll get into the, the fears that you have. Okay. So how do I see the landscape changing? I can tell you exactly how I see it changing. I see more and more people adding vintage to existing forever stamps and butterfly mm. stamps and non-machinable stamps. And that is partly cost savings, but secondarily, we, these envelopes are thick. They need a lot of postage. People are just running out of room on their envelopes. Oh gosh, it's like the letter that Harry Potter receives from the, um, the Weasley family. <laughs> Some of mine look like that. Like, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it can easily be, you know, most of the stuff I'm doing are at least five stamps. And that's like the whole run of the top of the envelope. Mm-hmm. There so, are times where I have to create a template of the stamps. Yes. So that I can do my calligraphy around the stamps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people recently I've said, you know, let's use that $1 stamp that USPS has on their website. Please let me build something around that. Uh-huh. So that is how I see things changing in terms of will the stamps run out? No, they're not. No. I mean, yes, they're, they're finite, but these stamps, you got to know USPS prints over a million of almost all the stamps they've they've done over the last half century. There are so many stamps out there. Truly, there are so many. And when you're thinking, oh, I got to get 130, that's 130 out of of a million. Okay. So never, never, never have I not been able to find a stamp in any quantity. It's simply a factor if will people pay for it. But I have Mm. always, always, always been able to find stamps. Always. I've I've never encountered a situation where I cannot find a stamp. I was just going to say Shasta and I are like Owen Wilson over here just being like, wow, 
Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you guys sleep easy tonight, ladies. It's all going to be good. Listen, it's all that William out. Shakespeare stamp is a staple of my design, and if it ever gets, if it ever goes away, I mean, I'm just screwed. Like, no one will buy stamps for me. Oh <laughs> no, my god! Is it offensive to collectors that we use these? That we hinge, we don't hinge them. That's that's not the right term, but that that we non-mintify them that we that, that you use them for the purpose they were intended yeah that's, um, <laughs> that we what's the word defile them <laughs> like no 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 i i think that i think you know when i talk to collectors about oh i i help you know i help couples put stamps on their wedding invitations they're more confused than anything because they <laughs> entered this realm to collect rare single stamps yeah so it doesn't it doesn't interest them it's not even on their radar that you would actually want to use a stamp because to them they're you know they're more thinking like oh a civil war single stamp and there's only 10 and known in existence and i own one it's more like a badge of honor so um no it's not even on their radar okay that is I so always funny. Say like hey can you sell this to me i promise i won't use it but actually and then i'm gonna use it and then i'm, I'm gonna, gonna put a red stamp on top <laughs> of it this and it's, that's a credit so yeah oh that's that encouraging. is too yeah that is too funny though how you phrase it that we're using them for the intended purpose because yeah it's, it's so true. interesting because i this is kind of like my philosophy of life and I have to do it in relation to bear with me guys. And also just know that this is how I am with fashion and getting ready during the day. And especially as we enter into motherhood, because so many people look at me and they're like, why do you get ready? Why do you get to them? I'm dressed up because I'm spending my day running errands and mm. taking care of my little baby boy and getting like pasta sauce on me for dinner but my theory is it's like the things that you have and the things that you own are meant to be used for their intended mm -hmm. purpose and I always say you know more outfits go wasted than ruined and mm -hmm. so when it comes to vintage stamps I'm like they should be used for their intended purpose and that's how you show appreciation for the item mm -hmm. you know it's it's meant to be used. It's meant to have the beauty out there in the world. It's not meant to just be like stored in a box. But Especially like obviously, if there are millions of them. Yeah, like <laughs> vintage stamps to me is like something that is like, and that's probably where I like lean into like the art and the appreciation and the beauty of like a handwritten note. Um, even you know on Friday I was mailing a a client suite, and when I was at the post office, someone just looked at the envelope. I mean, this happens all the time when I'm at the post office because I hand cancel the invitations mm -hmm. myself so I'm always just at like my little spot at the checkout counter and there's always <laughs> someone next to me that's like wow that's the envelope like no 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 please please stop stop like it's always a conversation piece for people and I think it kind of you know calligraphy is a lost art and a dying art and I feel like yeah. vintage stamps and like a beautiful handwritten letter it reawakens something inside yeah, of people yeah it totally oh, yeah. does yeah. it's really special really beautiful yeah. so okay I, I like that philosophy really... oh yeah thank you you're welcome <laughs> to borrow it <laughs> Basically, the things that you have, the nice things that you have, you know, they're meant to be used and enjoyed, they obviously are. taken care of. But I think that fear of use is never a good reason to not use something. Mm -hmm. Amen. 100% agree. 
So before we wrap up our podcast episode today, I want to make sure we go through some of the listener questions. You guys asked such amazing questions and a lot of them we've already covered in today's episode, you know, questions about pricing, about sourcing and pricing we covered earlier and sourcing, like we mentioned, you can contact Gracie directly and Gracie in a second, we will have you kind of list and give us a little breakdown about where people can find you. So there was a really great question here from Sweet Scape Design. Her name is Kelly, and she wants to know if we should be including a markup. If, you know, other stationers, when they're proposing vintage stamps to their clients, if they're including a markup. This is actually not a great question for me because um, I don't, I source them all myself. So I think this okay, is a better well, question for you. You do it. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll come back to it. There is another question about sourcing directly yourself if you want kind of want to sh like touch on yeah. that. So let's let me kind of break this down. There are two ways that you can like get your hands on vintage stamps. Like Shasta, you can go through the effort of sourcing them yourself, which Shasta, I know that you like to do. I personally do not like to do that because it is just one more thing to think about when there are already so many other things to think about. And like I mentioned in the podcast a little bit earlier, I work exclusively with Gracie because Gracie, at this point, you and I are just great friends and I love you. And I have the mentality. <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> I am like a small business vendor, but I want my friends and other small business vendors to thrive. And so for me, I love the collaboration process of you and I working together to create these invitation suites or these to create these vintage stamp sets. And kind of in the way that Gracie and I work together, I um, email you. I know by this point, like what the specs are, and I send you a full picture of what the invitation suite looks like. And if there are some stamps that I know we have to include or some stamps that are on my mind, I will send them to Gracie and kind of say like, these are some of the stamps that are the vibe. Uh, this bride is from Texas. And so I want to use this Texas bride or this couple, they met in California and they love to go to Napa Valley. They're like big wine people. Let's include this California stamp. Like I kind of give you some stamps that have already been on my radar according to the details that I have learned from my couple. And so for me personally, I love being able to just give all of the details, all of the information and pass it on to someone who truly is an expert in that area, which is why I am all about like, working with Gracie and shouting about her business from the top of the roof all the time. Like I want people to support you and I want people to know about your business and purchase from you. So for me personally, uh, to answer this question from Kelly, I do mark up the vintage stamp sets that Gracie quotes for me. And the reason that I do that, it's not a massive markup, but I do mark them up ever so slightly to account for tax and shipping. Mm -hmm. That's really what it boils down to. Um, for the most part, the quotes that Gracie give to me are kind of straight across the quotes that I give to my couple. I add again a little bit of a buffer. Um, but where the profit comes into me for vintage stamps is through the assembly. So Adding the postage to the invitations is where my work comes into play. Mm -hmm. And so that is what I'm charging for. But the assembly. Me, 
Yeah, but I'm not always curating in depth the way that I know Gracie is curating. You know, I definitely, like I said, have a couple that I say, like, I want to use or can we swap these things out? Um, But my markup is not the same markup percentage as it is for other embellishments like ribbon or wax seal or envelope or like liners or vellum wraps. Those markups are much bigger. But for my markup on vintage stamps, it's really just a slight buffer. Yeah, it's just to cover that that facilitation fee, almost like you're facilitating figuring this yeah. out. Yeah, it's like an admin fee plus the cost to cover just a few more. Because I don't know if you know this, Gracie. I always order about five extra. Yeah. I do know that, and I think everybody should. I actually yeah. ask people: Is this how many invitations you're sending, or is this how many you really want? Because yeah, you, you know, you never know. Like if somebody's going to put a drop of water on it as they're walking by you as you're assembling, mm-hmm. and it's ruined or whatever. So always order extra. Or last minute, someone wants yeah. to invite Great Uncle John, and oh, that too. they need oh. to yeah add it on. Well, and also, I feel like there have been a couple of times where I'll be gluing. And like I mentioned earlier, some stamps just like kind of rip during the process. And so it's nice to have like, oh, shoot, that up. one ripped. Don't like not a problem. I don't have to like Picasso it back into place. <laughs> <laughs> I can like use a good one. <laughs> so that's kind of my answer for that question. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of I hope you, that is what you're looking for, I guess. No, that, I think that's really helpful. Just kind of peeling back the veil even more of like not only what Gracie does, but how we interact and how, you know, how you can yeah. use that resource. What it looks like. I don't um, use a curator not because I don't want to. I just haven't gotten on the bandwagon yet. Um, well, hopefully I, you get on the bandwagon yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, come on, girl. It's amazing. Crazy does all to, the work. <laughs> I have to source. Uh, I was literally finishing up a uh, uh, first draft and I was like, oh, I have to put together the stamps. It's going to add like another like two to three hours pricing them all up. I actually, I really love putting together the artistic side of it. I love combining oh, things, yeah. but the math the math is so much work. So what I do is, um, I don't have nearly as many resources as you do, Gracie. I uh, use eBay and some Etsy stuff. And Patrick from Edelweiss is my neighbor. Do you know Edelweiss post? Are you kidding yeah, me? He li- well, not neighbor, neighbor. He lives like an hour or not an hour. He lives a mile down the road from me. Yeah. So I source from eBay and from, you know, I'll buy from Etsy and like even from your site, but not like a curated set. And um, I will present three options to clients and I don't mark up my postage at all. I my philosophy and it's and honestly it's evolving as i'm growing in the kind of clientele is that i want my clients to have vintage stamps because i want them to have vintage stamps and anything i can do to make it more accessible to them i'm happy to do i do charge for assembly uh but it really isn't because i think it's better at this point in my career it's just that i haven't gotten to figuring out working with a curator yet so i think if you're willing to put in the work it can work for a while but honestly it's just i'd rather leave it to an expert and that's kind of where my markup is more like i said an admin and shipping cost Mm -hmm. because vintage stamps are already so expensive that i'm not marking it up even more but Mm -hmm. obviously gracie i hope you were marking yours up because you deserve that compensation (laughs) for all the work and all of the relationships you've established with your friends (laughs) 
Yeah, it's been, you know, seven years of making connections and know and, and establishing that I have sources where I know that I can get stamps because that's yeah. the real stress in the stamps is that yes. like, like trying to piece it together if you don't yes. have a system set up. It's oh, so, yeah. so much work. <laughs> it's stressful. And like, yeah. you never know if, if like, are you dealing with some random old person in Montana who's going to take two weeks to walk to the post office and ship your stamps to you? Like, you never know <laughs> mm-hmm. who's on the other mm-hmm. end of that. I have to purchase as soon as they approve their <laughs> final draft. I have to purchase the stamps right away because I know it's going to take like a month to arrive. Yeah. <laughs> so two more questions. Yeah, um, we have one from Sarah Finch who is asking, can I use a postcard stamp for a non-postcard letter as long as I am covering the fee? So she wants to know those butterflies if you could use it for like a one ounce. If you add enough to get to 66 cents, then sure. Yeah. Basically, there are those really beautiful like blueberry stamps. Mm. Yeah, the four cent blueberry stamps. Yep. And you can use those to mail your invitations as long as you're covering your amount. Yes. So yeah, you can sixty two cents, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just cover so your blueberries. You would need seventeen blueberries on your envelope yes you could do it <laughs> um, what's the current cost of non-machinable uh what's it's a non-machinable it's 40 mm-hmm. 40 but 40 when you cents, have yeah. a non-machinable stamp that includes the base price and the 40 cents is that right yeah so the non-machinable stamps right now the butterflies are mm-hmm. worth a dollar and six cents right now right because it's that base 66 plus the 40 66 plus awesome. 40 that's exactly right yeah i have to google it every time i want to use it because i'm always nervous that i'm wrong i don't blame you <laughs> so our next question is from of light and letters and she is asking how to quote for vintage postage and present it before the set has been curated so I think this is a good question for me. When I am putting a proposal together for my couples in the itemized list, I have a note that says vintage postage. And then I think I have it as just like $5. But then I let them know that, you know, they need to allocate and budget anywhere from six to $12 per set. Mm -hmm. And that this is a range that's going to change based off of the final weight of their invitation and the set curated, because obviously prettier stamps are going to be a lot more expensive. And so my couples agree to this price range before they even like book with me, you know, like they, they know they are educated from the very beginning. Then I reach out to the range. Yeah, exactly. I like to set very clear expectations for my couples. So then I reach out to Gracie, like I mentioned earlier, we have our curation process between the two of us, I let her know if there are any stamps we want to see. I feel like I have a pretty good pulse on like, what the cost of a stamp is going to be like, I know which ones are going to be really expensive and like what ones we could swing. And then from there, Gracie sends me back three different. Well, sometimes you include four or five. Yeah, um, three to five different options for you to choose. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. That's a lot. Best working with Gracie, like get on the train. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love. I would love to work with you. 
Oh, I would love to work. Everybody needs to be working with Gracie. Oh, you are so sweet. Just Gracie, as long as you still have time for me. (laughs) You can't, she's mine. Everybody work with Gracie, but Gracie, you still just have to make sure you have me on your schedule somewhere. Just pencil me in. (laughs) Always, my dear, always. So Gracie will send me a proposal and then I will take those proposed sets and I send them to my client in a design draft with the pricing for each set. And Gracie, this is something that I really love is that you always do a good range where you'll have like a more like budget friendly option. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of have like a splurge option with maybe a few more stamps that are a little bit more rare. So there is an like a variance for the couples to pick. And then as a stationer, I always let my couples know that if there are any stamps that they don't like, we can always swap them out. Or if there is a stamp that they really love from set number one that they want to incorporate into set number two or set number three, that we can kind of like mix and match to create a new set as long as we meet our requirement and they, again, are willing to pay the price. Mm -hmm. And so I, again, just always try to educate my couples set very clear expectations and just really like let my couples know so that they have the freedom to be able to make a decision. So from there, if one of those first proposed sets is not the like perfect one right off the bat, we will create a new option. And then I will email Gracie, get updated pricing from her, update my client. And then from there, we purchase and are all set to go. Now there are like two instances where either one, the couple decides to not proceed with the vintage stamp sets after all. And in those instances, I will you know, let Gracie know and thank her for her time. I never ghost. And Mm -hmm. I always ask Gracie to send me her curation fee. And that is to compensate Gracie for her time spent curating us such lovely sets. Mm -hmm. And then that fee is something that I will just like line item on my client invoice because again, they knew what the pricing was. So if they decide that it's too expensive, then they understand that they still have to like pay Pay for for the curation curation. time. Yeah. And then. The second instance is kind of like something that I've learned from just my years of doing, you know, vintage stamps is that it's always presented as a layout for my couples. But in my contract, I have it very clearly stated that that layout for vintage stamps, if selected, is subject to change because Mm -hmm. there are situations where, you know, the stamps come in and they might honestly like stamps do vary in size. And if we're pretty tight on the margins, you got to change it up. Yeah. There are times Mm -hmm. where like the stamp hangs over and I need to drop the alignment of a stamp or like we're doing calligraphy and you have a crazy long name and you're Mm -hmm. going to have to like adjust the arrangement. And that's Mm -hmm. something I mentioned to you, Gracie, is that like I have the freedom to be able to, as an artist at my discretion, adjust the layout of the vintage stamps in the heat of the moment, because Mm -hmm. there are situations that arise where you have to like move things around. Obviously I try to keep it as accurate to like what the final proof is as approved, but I do think that people should include as many like caveats for vintage stamps to allow them that wiggle room that you have to have when working with something that is so vintage. And variable because even like we mentioned before, you can go to the post office and you might get a 
clerk who woke up on the wrong side of the bed and is just going to require you to add a stamp you weren't prepared for. So if you're on a tight deadline, are you going to just choose a stamp and adhere it? Or are you going to go back to the client and have to get approval? And so for me, I warn them that I reserve the right to add an extra stamp in case that's required at the post office. So we're not going back and forth. That's really smart. That's really smart. Yeah, I mean, I, I choose ones that match and I, I often buy extra. I have so much in my, like extra in my collection, yeah, just leftovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. it's just because what you want to do as a luxury designer, maybe this is something that I'm sure you come across too, Gracie, is just like when you include extra stamps and packages, what sets you from being um, a beginner and then an expert or beginner and then a luxury artist is that you are thinking two steps ahead and you're thinking about what could go wrong. And so you just, you order those extra stamps, you put those extra in so that your client doesn't have to come back to you and you don't have to go back to them and it's just ready to go. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think at the end of the day, people discount the fact that stamps serve, they're functional, they serve a purpose, they're not decoration. And it does matter that at the end of the day, invitation gets from point A to point B. Yeah, that's the most (laughs) important part. (laughs) Oh, so great. I really love this discussion. It's so great getting to know your friend, uh, Gracie Michaela. This is just, thank you for introducing her to me. It's so fun. I'm like, friend meet friend, Shasta meet Gracie, like two (laughs) of my closest industry friends, which is just... Oh, I love this. This has been such a delightful conversation. I feel like I've learned so much. And so I'm leaving this with one, a peaceful mind, knowing that we are not going to run out of vintage stamps. And (laughs) two, I feel like so much more knowledge about like your business and everything. So I love that. And oh, thank you. Again, if you haven't worked with Gracie, she is incredible. If you haven't been able to tell from our conversation, she is the kindest soul. She's so sweet. She's so knowledgeable. Mm. Like, guys, sent Levi, my little baby boy, a little baby shower gift. Just like out of the blue. Just a baby <laughs> gift. This beautiful book. I And then she also, those Polish flower vintage stamps that you sent me, stunning. Just things just out of the blue oh, yeah just just thought I of you. love those people so truly like everybody gracie is such a wonderful like kind-hearted good person in the industry she's doing mm-hmm. incredible work and is so knowledgeable and an expert in her craft uh so gracie i just want to kind of final words from you is there anything else that you are wanting to touch on as a vintage stamp curator and then on top of that Tell us where people can find you. So I think the thing, I, my parting words that I'd like to share with everyone are, um, if you ever have questions about postage or questions about, you know, how to use vintage stamps or what, what it all means, just ask, just mm-hmm. ask somebody, ask your postal clerk, ask me, ask your stationer, because these beautiful works of art deserve to be out of drawers and out of mm-hmm. collections and used. So uh, that is my, that's the last thing I'd love to say about venture stamps. Just use them. Um, beyond that, please stay in touch with me. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Enfield Post. It's E-N-F-I-E-L-D-P-O-S-T. Or you can um, find my website, EnfieldPost.com, or email me, Gracie, at EnfieldPost.com. I love it. Thank you so much, Gracie, for joining us tonight. This is our our first 
guest speaker on the Cultivate podcast. And I just feel like I have the excitement jitters for everybody who will <laughs> like digest this when it comes out. It's going to so be so good. Thank you so much for having me. I love, love, love talking to you. This was so fun. <laughs> it really was. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you listeners for joining us. Just a quick reminder. Thank you for all your shout outs. If you want to leave us a review on Apple or Spotify, it really helps our podcast out and feel free to reach out with any questions during the week.